yeah, so I didn't know if I had enough change for the meter. Yeah. So I um, was driving around really slow in the parking lot looking if anything was filled. <laughs> like yeah. if there was any money. Yeah. But then I saw people watching me. I'm like, oh, I look like the crazy person. So I'm just going to dig through my car and find any bit of change. Yeah. I, You're trolling. Yeah. Trolling for this. I was. It didn't work. So I found change. Hey, everybody, everybody needs that time. Yeah. 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 Welcome to In the Act, a radio program on process and the creative life. Creativity does not just stop and start with artists. We all make aesthetic or guiding decisions. Our aim is to talk through the process and investigate how we choose to express ourselves and to live creatively. We're connecting with people about their lives, and that's the subject of our show. Broadcasting from Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin on Mead Community Radio, I am Erica Hunsinger, and this is In the Act. And today's guest on In the Act is Whitney Morales. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you, um, which will, I think, dive into um firstly can you talk a little bit about who you are Mm, yeah yeah yeah, i'm whitney um (laughs) (laughs) i am a professional photographer in um family storytelling style i guess i would say i don't like have this elevator pitch down um, so I'm just going to take this very long-winded version. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so I do family photography and then also um, branding sessions for mostly artists because they're the best. <laughs> and now everyone's the best. But I love doing storytelling photography for really anybody um, and just photographing people in a very authentic way. And I'm also a mother and a wife. I've got three kids. Mm. And I think, yeah, those are my big, big highlights of my life. Yeah, totally. Um, Can you break down what you mean by um, storytelling? Yeah. I used to say documentary photography because that's what I kind of thought. But I like to get a little more creative. That's very creative. I like to style things a little bit. and. That's not specifically documentary. You know, that's all exactly as it is without touching things. Sure, yeah. Um, but I think I like to have a, l- a little different spin on it and style some things and, I don't know, showcase things in a different way sometimes. So I started saying storytelling. Yeah. Um, and that just gives us a little bit more room to c- create the story. Totally. And tell people's story. And again, like, this isn't like, okay, only families or only brands. Like I approach weddings as a storytelling photographer um, and everything I do, I just kind of, I love finding the people in the story and then showcasing them and showcasing all the resources that they use. Um, I mean, that's in families too. Like what things do they like to do together and photographing those fine details of their experience together and not just... Smiling faces always. Right. So that would be sort of, um, so if I can 
like also try and understand like photography of like family if they're like just set up and taking pictures almost like I don't know like a Sears portrait or something that's like one version yeah like um snapshot and then the documentary a documentary photograph would be more like true documentary style is like everything's authentic Nothing okay. has changed. Um, so, lighting. like in the moment poses, not poses, but like as they're as they're moving, taking photographs and stuff like that. That would be more documentary. Yeah, and okay. I guess I kind of am a little bit in the middle of that. Yeah. Um. So that's why I like to say storytelling. Um. And like that's the whole point for me of any photo session I approach. I want to just authentically tell a story of this person, yeah. um, this family, this couple, this artist, whatever it is, um, because specifically, this is the why, and I guess maybe I should have started with that. But No, no, this is what happens. This is what we do. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I'm good. writing my elevator pitch right now. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years in, and I'm finally figuring it out we on this need, podcast. Yeah, conversations, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so in any, like, realm of photography or you know, just anything, anything we do, like, there's millions of people doing the same thing. Or there's, you know, families that can all kind of pose there and smile. And that just is a lot of sameness. And yeah. I think in, you know, approaching it differently, telling, like, your story, you know, whoever I would be working with, um, gives more of an authentic documentation of them. Um, and, like, yeah. if somebody is paying me, hiring me to photograph them, I really don't want their photograph to look basically like everyone else's. I yeah. want their the, the content I create for them, I want it to look like only them and tell yeah. their story specifically. So with branding sessions, that really works beautifully because, I mean, we're in this era of social media and a lot of us are marketing ourselves, you know, in that format totally yeah and again that can be really hard to not try to mimic someone else that you deem successful or whatever sure um but gosh so much of that is happening and then you just kind of turn into one of the masses but if you can put imagery out there i guess i'm talking through the lens of you know an entrepreneur or whatever if you can yeah. put your imagery out there like your content that you create for your business in a storytelling way, that will make you stand out. And yeah, you might not go viral because I just, I don't know how that happens, but um, yeah, you get to connect with the people that need you, that want you, that you want to work right. with. Yeah. And then like flip that on the lens of like a family session. Yeah. You know, I, I do not, as a mother, I do not need to look back at my kids in poses, in perfect clothes, with their hair styled just right, yeah, that will not trigger anything for me in the future, 10 like years from now. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, not a negative trigger, a positive. Like, yeah. when I look back at my family portraits, I'm hoping to be triggered back with that memory. I'm hoping to look back and just be jolted in my heart yeah. back to that time. Yeah. And you just cannot get that when somebody's telling you how to pose or 
you know, you're smiling for the camera or whatever. Parents even, you know, they, yep. it's a little easier for adults to manage our emotions and just turn on that happiness. Yeah. But you know, when you look back, like that wasn't real. Right. And usually it's like surrounded in this huge layer of stress. Yes. And I guess from me experiencing that kind of photo session with my kids when they were very young on the consumer end, I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) I never (laughs) want to have people feel that. Yeah. And, like, obviously I can't control everybody's emotions. Right. It is a lot to get people ready for or to get even – five bodies to a place. Right. And that does seem a little bit stressful. But when they're with me, I just really hope they can let down and relax and just connect. That's so great. Yeah, I when you were talking, I totally flashed on a flashed on a memory of like um you know, we were all dressed up, family portraits (laughs) of like, I don't know, we got a stranger to take a photo, but we were all so mad. Mm -hmm. Like we were not a happy family yeah. at this moment. And um, as, you know, as families go through, but um, that's the jolt that you got me back to. And uh, I think it's really interesting that the the storytelling is like pulling these narratives out of the family um, that's individualized, um, as well as tuning into like the emotions of how you want something to be experienced Mm -hmm. um, looking back on. Because it is, people want snapshots of in time. This is where we were in time um, to document, right? I Um, hope. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's why people take photos, right? Of like, this is um, either monumental time or, you know, let's get this now. Kids grow so quickly, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of family portraits. But – but to to capture and to to identify that you want the emotion to be there in an authentic way is very different than having them um what did you say than someone telling them to pose in a particular way which then is inauthentic to that person yeah which is such a really interesting way of going about creating experiences with the camera <laughs> and I think it's really interesting because now, you know, we're in this digital age where I can snap 500 photos in a 20-minute session. And, sure. And that's okay, you know. And then, not that I usually shoot that much, but there was times in my career where it did take that much. <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot of times people – and. I will be honest, I get a little sucked into this myself, too, as I'm preparing for my family session for like as the consumer again. Yeah. Um, But a lot of times we're still kind of in that mindset of that we were trained as kids, you know, that, okay, we only have like we only get 10 pictures from this or we only get this one shot or whatever because it was on film back in the day and you did only get that. and. Other styles of photography, um, you know, you do get more limited photos because they are portraits, right. like a posed portrait. But for me, I edit anything that I feel. I feel like if I look at your photo and I feel something, I'm editing it and it's going to you oh. because I can't 
for me personally, and again, everybody has their own method and how they work, and that is great. Um, but for me personally, if I have five photos that are similar, but there's just two that kind of have their own emotion attached to them, but they look similar, yeah. I can't be the one to choose. Right. Like, I don't know your kid. I don't know if, like, that specific smirk is the thing, you right. know? Like, yeah. There are all these fine details with the people that we love that are just things we love about them. Yeah. You know, things when... Or identify about that, right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And for me, I'm not going to ever say you get five images or you get 20 because I'm telling a whole story, you know. It's not... I don't know. It can't be broken down. Like, you make a film of people and... Well, there's many different clips that go together in, in this film work. Right. And it's similar, I guess. Totally. Yeah. I love that the the emotion is your tuning fork. Yeah. For this. It's a really interesting. I don't know if I've uh, heard a photographer talk about it in, in that specific way. It comes a little bit challenging sometimes, too, because sometimes they'll come across an image that is, like, imperfect by, like, I don't know whatever those standards are. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. But like you can just feel it and I'll just edit it and send it off. Yeah. Because it's it's worth it to me, you know? Right. I mean, back in the day when you're working with film, you're just hoping to get a couple in focus, you know? And right. I think <laughs> there was a little bit more appreciation for like imperfect photography. Right. And now it's like, well, everything better be clear and sharp, lit perfectly, whatever. But when you're following a family telling their story, that story happens where it happens. Yeah. And sometimes the lighting is really bad, but you just do your best and, you know, the image is still worth it in the end. Right. I love that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was wondering if you could, because you didn't start out being like a photographer um, like in your professional life, right? No. So I was wondering if you could like kind of scoot back a little bit and talk about how you got to to this place because I think that there's so much value in um, in the process of like decision making mm-hmm. and like key points in your life that were like, oh, that didn't work <laughs> or, yeah. you know, because I think we can all learn from each other with that. So. Yeah, it's been a long and interesting road, and um, this year is kind of a big milestone for me. It's 10 years in business, and I have my three kids, and my – okay, I'll pump back a little bit. I started diving into photography because I am a true DIYer in all facets of the word. Um, or acronym, I guess. <laughs> um, my dad trained me to live that way. That's how we live. We would go to the craft store and he'd, or we would go somewhere, see something, and he'd be like, oh, we can make that. And so we'd then go to the craft store and find the things to make the thing, however shabby it might look in the end, but so we great. did it. Yeah. And that's kind of how my photography was in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I got the camera, I did the thing because I had my first daughter and I knew I wanted to document her life. I knew, like, it wasn't in our budget to, at the time, like, the camera was out of the budget, you know? Yeah. And um, so I'm like, well, if I want to do this, I'm going to have to figure it out and so that I can, you know, document this childhood of hers. And um, I also ended up going part-time in my job. 
um, because childcare is insane. And I yep. just, I wanted to be with her. And um, then I end up just quitting that entirely because I was able to get enough photo clients on a total whim. I just, I, so it was, it'll be this 10 years, this December that I had my first mini session for holidays and it was totally thrown together. Um, and I did my best, but sessions were a huge, huge price point of $25. Wow. <laughs> because essentially I used that as like paid training for myself. It just yeah. covered the cost of the backdrop and stuff that I'd set up. I didn't like make money, but I was able to provide some decent photos yeah. to several families and learn yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, so that's how it kind of just started. And then from there, it just kept ramping up year after year. There were pauses. Complete. I took a complete year off during COVID. Yeah. Um, mental health matters. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was a hard time to be a photographer. I mean, it was a hard time to be anything. Um, yeah. But rather than just trying to figure it out and make it work, I'm just like, I'm going to pause this for now. Yeah. And which is really great. Um, I don't know. Anytime you have an opportunity to pause and reflect on your work is a blessing. And um, yeah, so... Yeah. I had this idea that I wanted to slowly grow my business. And when my youngest was in kindergarten, I wanted to have like a lucrative full-time career for myself because I didn't feel like going back to work in finance. Um, that wasn't me anymore. It wasn't really me 10 years prior either. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that happened this year. Sent my first or my last to kindergarten and here I am. Wow. <laughs> yep living the dream guys <laughs> nice cool Welcome back to In the Act. I'm Erica Hunsinger, and we are here with Whitney Morales. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Um, and we're sort of talking uh, a little bit about, like, the trajectory of, like, how things occurred and decisions made and, like, what feels right. And um, I think I'll, I'll give you the floor on that. But. Okay. We're going to go ahead and take this back. Um, prior to 10 years ago, gosh, t let's take it back 20 years ago. Yeah, sure. <laughs> let's do it. It's always a little weird to remind myself that I've been out of high school for 20 years this year. Yeah. Um, but that's the truth. Here I am. Um, so, you know, in high school, all of us are told we need to go to college. Honestly, I hope kids aren't getting told that anymore. <laughs> Or, you know, if, if you have a career path that you need to go to college, you go to college. But I did not know what I wanted to do. And, yep. But there was all this pressure to decide. Yeah. And so I landed on an elementary educator. That would have been something. Um, so I went to one year of college for that. And I, I went to a private school in Ohio. And, like, this is 
this is a defining moment, as you were asking before. Yeah. We watched some kind of documentary on teachers or something, and it was like schools in Ohio, and it was a really rural community, and these computers they were using were like very old at that time. 20 years ago, they were very old. And like they were talking, I don't know what the purpose of this film was, but they were talking about like the facility and like the school building was leaking and stuff. And I'm like watching, I'm like, I don't know how, if this is, and again, this isn't every school experience as a teacher, but I'm like, if this is even one experience, like how am I going to pay how am I going to get a career as a teacher that they're telling me? Thankfully, they told me. I don't know. Like, I don't know if they tell kids this very often. Yeah. But um, we're talking about, you know, the salary of a teacher. And I'm like, I can't pay for this school if I'm going into this career. And oh, that's such a hard yeah. thing to realize that yeah. you don't realize, I don't think, until you're in a program or something. For mm-hmm. sure. And, you know, my parents are doing their best to help. Yeah. Um, but gosh, like, I don't know. That's just a lot of money. Yeah. And so I ended up quitting after one year and still to pay for that, $10,000. Um, right. And. Which is so discouraging. Yeah. It's so, that's so discouraging. I mean, let's just stop right there. That You you actually made the decision to quit, which is one <laughs> yes. thing. I mean, that's, it's brave to do. Right. To, to, it takes courage to yeah. be like, this is not for me. I think that's a key moment in people. And I think that people think of quitting sometimes as giving up. And I think that it's really important to identify that that is not exactly it. If it doesn't fit mm-hmm. um, and to identify it and to edit it out of your life, that is a good thing <laughs> to do. Yeah, it's taken me until like a year ago to fully be able to accept that. that yeah, sure. I made the right decision. Right. I um I mean, I'll go ahead and tell everybody I never went back to college. That yeah. was my plan at the time yep. to go back um because that was presented as the only option. Um so after that I had to get a job and I ended up being a bank teller, which I honestly felt like it was a good position back then and I made $8 an hour. Yeah. And then I end up making like within a year, I think it was eight. It ended up being like eleven dollars at some point. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Doesn't yeah. that sound funny now though? Yeah. <laughs> eleven dollars an hour. I mean, but yeah. And it was actually like decent for entry level position at that time. Um but yeah, I just kept with that and I had gone through several different, you know, I did like personal banking and then I end my last position in banking, I was in like the underwriting area for small business lending and oh. putting together like business loan packages. Um, so that was really interesting and fun. I did really like that. What did you like about it? I loved being able to read people's business plans. Oh, yeah. interesting. It was so, yeah, it was so interesting because they're quite in depth most of the time. And yeah. And it's about their vision, right? Yeah. It's like they're yeah. they're creating something. They want to create something and need your assistance with yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like that's a through there's line. There's like a story there, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably um, my – what am I trying to say? The biggest thing I liked about my job in that um, industry, and that's where I was when I stopped working um, yeah. because – 
you know, childcare is, is so expensive. Yeah. And I would have loved to have worked part-time and um, been home part-time, but there's just not really many opportunities to do that. Right. Most places you have to put your kid in childcare full-time. Right. Um, so I worked for a year until my daughter was one, and then I had gotten a couple sessions with people and I had made it or I was making enough that I had replaced my part-time income minus the daycare expenses I yeah. was still paying um which wasn't very much <laughs> I wasn't making very much either way um yeah and it all just kind of rolled from there yeah. and I think a lot of times when people are interested in starting a business or or maybe not even starting a business, just starting something, just trying something out. Yeah. Um, there's this thought process that things have to be perfect before you can present it to the world. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Perfectionism is so hard. It is. And I am not here saying that I don't deal with it every single day. But gratefully, some part of me is able to just move past that a lot of times um, because my work – was not perfect. Yeah. At all. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I tried and I kept learning. And literally every skill I learned with photography was something I learned, I taught myself. Yeah. Um, you know, and my photo session pricing reflected that in the beginning for mm -hmm. a very long time. Yeah. Um, you know, it was what people say. I always see people on Facebook asking for references for affordable photographer or affordable, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, come on, guys. You know, just it's not affordable is relative yeah. to your life. Yep. And, um, you know, any skilled person, affordable art, affordable handyman. Yep. You know, it's like if you can't perform the service yourself, you have to start placing some value on the person that can. Right. And um, maybe that means you only get your photographs every three years because you save for that mm -hmm. or whatever it is um, for you. But I think this is a little bit different tangent, but I just see in all the industries, I want this to be affordable. And sometimes you just have to cut other expenses to save for the person's worth. Yeah. And... I don't know. I think that's just kind of a weird moment we're in, or maybe it's just that we get to read it all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the arts are historically have a, you know, an unnecessary, deemed unnecessary to yeah. everyday living. And I mean, people who are making um, any sort of object are consistently asked to donate work to yeah. causes, you know, which would never, I don't know if it would happen in the same way um, with like larger businesses, but you know, what, I don't know. Yeah. I no, mean, I, I agree. it's not necessarily, the tax write-off doesn't do us a lot of good in, no. in the same way. <laughs> um, but I mean, when you're talking about value and, you know, what are, do you feel like um, in this process of like this transformation, this sort of um, narrative that you kept creating, and you know, I love the fact that you were um, that you just tried and 
taught yourself mm-hmm. um, and didn't let that sort of um, hardcore uh, perfectionism sort of uh, tap in tap in your da- tap and tap you down. I don't know what that's called. Tamp. Like tamper. Is yeah. That right? Okay. Thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's really important. And I was wondering if there are any like anything that helped you with those ideals or like how do you think you learned to do that or did you have like any mentors or um oh, things man. that you were doing that um supported that vision or supported your process in that time yeah in the beginning i had many mentors and um honestly i feel like mentors are such a a vast group of people, yeah. you know, and I actually, I want to make that point. It's quite important to have a rounded group of mentors and not idealize like a specific person. Yeah. Um, because, because of many reasons, um, two that I can think of are, I think if you're idealizing one specific person, especially as a creative, your art can kind of start to become theirs. Yeah. Um, and there's not a whole lot of differentiating anymore between their work and and yours in your own mind. Right, through idealization. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great distinction. So that's a problem. But then also, like, their um, journey will never be yours. Like, you're on two different journeys, and your lived experiences and their lived experiences are so different. Whatever environment they get to create in is probably quite different than yours. Yeah. You know, and then if you're kind of comparing yourself to this other human, um, you don't know their full story even. Right. And that can just be really detrimental to your own creativity. Yeah. So yeah, to answer your question, I had many mentors that probably didn't even know they were mentors (laughs) to me in many different arenas of life. Yeah. Um, you know, just people in general doing any kind of business alongside of raising their children were yeah, mentors. Right. Um, other mothers were mentors, mm-hmm. um, friends, mm-hmm. you know, that had like more, I guess, traditional careers were mentors because that was an experience I couldn't relate to. And sometimes yeah. like, yeah, I am a creative photographer, but I run a business, Yeah, you know, and sometimes you get in this like creative space in your mind um, and you're really living there and that feels good. But then it's like, okay, I also have to market my work, you know? Yeah. So to have other like professional friends in that kind of area is really helpful too. Um, but yeah, I think it it's really important for you to have different people in your life that are attributing towards your success, whether they know it or not. <laughs> totally. Yeah. For sure. Um, And shoot, I was just going to say that when you're talking about – I totally lost it. Something about like how you were talking about creativity and um, your business plan. Oh, I see. Sorry. (laughs) I had to like backtrack (laughs) a tiny bit. It came. But like um, I think that uh, so much of the time – I mean, I hear you talking a lot about finance and financial stability and business plan and like these um, and money and value and these pieces. And I think so much of the time with art, 
um, and creatives, that's sort of a taboo thing. Mm-hmm. Like art is on its own. Yeah. <laughs> and money is over here. And may they not be, you know, linked together mm-hmm. in some ways. And I think that we're, at least when I was going to school, that was pretty much taught. And I think that it's very interesting to kind of parse through some of these things because there's a um, I see value in creating for yourself mm-hmm. through your vision, right? That's what you're talking about. This sort of authentic, where does it come from? It comes from your life, your story. No one else has been in your shoes kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and to present whatever that is or to create whatever that is. And then also to alongside um, have the wheel of like marketing and selling and having that sort of be intrinsically a part of what you're doing is a, um, I think for a lot of creatives is a very challenging, um, challenging notion and challenging to sort of figure out in some ways. Definitely. I mean, it's challenging to me still every day. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, we're all, you only have the privilege of doing your art if you can afford to live. Thank you. You yeah. know, and yeah. while it does sound really beautiful to never have to monetize your creativity, that's just not the world we live in. And I mean, I am privileged privileged enough that we were able to live on a single income. And even now, like, I don't have to do it. Yeah. And that does afford me a lot of opportunity to make sure that I am able to do it in a way that I like, Mm -hmm. that feels good to me. Right. Um, But it aligns with your values. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the work that you're doing. Right. Because especially like with photography, um, I have a very specific client. Like, I think it's a little different when you're creating like a piece of art. Yeah. Um, Like you've created it. It's of you. You're going to put it out for the world. And someone will resonate with it, right? Yeah. Um, But I have to, and I mean, obviously, if you're doing commissions, like it's a very similar thing. Right. But if you're operating in a different realm where you're just creating, this is my art and here it is. Somebody love it because they will. Obviously, somebody will love your art. Mm -hmm. But um, for me, like I have a person that's hired me to do this to, to document their most precious people in their life. And... I must market myself authentically so that they know what they're going to receive after we've worked together. Right. So if I get caught up on trying to look like somebody else or not marketing myself, um, that's just not going to work out very well for either of us. They're going to have a different expectation than what I'm going to deliver. Totally. Mm-hmm. So, and that, you know, brings back to like the storytelling in your marketing. Yeah. If you can show people how, maybe not how, but like your processes, whatever portion of it that you want to share, that you feel comfortable sharing, that just gives them more opportunity to connect with you and your yeah. work. Right. And to know kind of what to expect or um, yeah, just to connect on a deeper level, which is, I think, really important. Not that you have to, like, show them all your cards. Like, 
there are many things you can keep private to yourself yeah. for your own personal well-being. Yeah. But if you can just let people in, you know, in glimpses of what you do, why you do it, how you do it, um, that just helps with the human connection. They're connected with your work then. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> great non-squeaky chair engineering room <laughs> so last segment anything that you kind of want to talk about or like, get into yeah there is something great let's do it <laughs> all right um, uh welcome back to in the act i'm erica hunsinger and we are with whitney morales hi thank you so much for having me oh my gosh yeah <laughs> I feel like um, we've talked a lot about kind of marketing or the journey to into, you know, this entrepreneurship role. Um, Yeah. But I feel like this last year has been a huge transformation for me. And I know, Erica, you and I have had like personal conversations about this. But, um, you know, while you're it's kind of combining the concepts that we've just talked about in a really beautiful way. Like you are an artist, but you have to market yourself. Yeah. Um, or the money part of it. And this year, or I'd say the last six months, I have just continued. And again, I've been doing this for 10 years, but yeah. I've just continued to make the decisions that were most aligned with the work that I knew I could deliver best. Yeah. Um, you know, because if the work is aligned with me, then I know I can show up well. Yeah. Um, so make decisions that had the work aligning with me best yeah. and letting go of the things that didn't. Because there are, as we know, many creative people out there and they can fulfill those needs of others. Yeah. Um, so I'm not doing somebody a disservice by saying um, this. is. I'm not the photographer for you because there are so many beautiful photographers that are the ones for them totally and that's who they should be working with i don't have to like try and morph myself into that person for them that's so important oh my gosh like step back and high five on that Mm -hmm. one because i think that that's our um i'm sorry to just take this moment but like i think that's so much of what um sometimes we do is like oh all right they want this and so i'm gonna change how i and, or adapt. And sometimes it feels like it's a growth thing and you can like go, yeah, all right, maybe that can align with me. But other times it's so outside of of um, where our comfort mm-hmm. zone is that or or what we're able to to do that it really takes us off track. Yeah. Um, in some ways. And so I just wanted to highlight that because I, I think that's a really important distinction that to, to, you know, find that tuning fork again, like what is going to be okay for you? Yeah. And so like in denying some work, and honestly, I've had a lot of experiences on, on the other end too. There's been a lot of things in the last year that I've tried, mm-hmm. that I've tried as uh, I'm going to try this and see how it feels. Cool. Is this going to fit well? Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to, def- to um, figure out is this something that feels uncomfortable because it is a growth moment, as you were saying, yep. or because it doesn't fit? Right. Like you have to figure that out. And sometimes the only way you can figure that out is through trying. Yeah. 
But, you know, try it. Give yourself the opportunity to reflect on that and make a decision that aligns well with you in the future, like next time this comes up. Right. Future Whitney. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, I guess the biggest revelation I've had in the last year is, you know, just not saying yes to everything like with a scarcity mindset, like I must say yes to this opportunity. Which is hard. It really is. Um, But that also gives you the opportunity to show your best work then. Focus on your best work. And when you're showing and focusing on your best work, the opportunities will keep coming in because people are connecting with you. People are finding they want what you have to offer. But if, if you're kind of always doing different things to you know, make the money or, I don't know, keep busy, whatever it is, um, people are never really seeing what you truly have to offer. Yeah. They're seeing you through the lens of, you know, what this person requested. Right. And it's shifting what you're promoting, creating. Mm-hmm. It's shifting the your vision that you're putting out there then. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And, you know, you do have to remain in control of that. You're the only one that can control that. Um, And that's really hard. It's hard to make (laughs) those decisions because I think that so many of us artists and creatives or anyone really, right? This is what this is about Mm -hmm. is that we're, we have varied interests and want to try things out, but remove the, um, the reflection part about it and make and decision making then, mm-hmm. um, which is partial of that full circle that you need to kind of make um, forward momentum in your sitting interest. Yeah. Right. Did that yeah. make sense? Yeah, to me. Okay. Um, but then another thing, you know, that's just kind of along this evolution of me figuring out how to do my best work. Um, is that prioritizing rest as like actually part of your work? Like your rest time is as valuable as your production time. So I would why say. Why do you think that is? Or I will why, tell yeah. you. All right, good. Do it. <laughs> that has um, transformed my last, uh, I would say, year of work. Um, <clears throat> for me specifically, I'm an entrepreneur. My kids my kids are now all in school, nice. all three of them. So I have these days. This is my first time in 10 years. I have these hours of days that I could I could just grind away at work if I wanted to do that. And I did a little bit of that last year, and it felt so hard and bad. And, like, I was making more money than I ever did, but it wasn't ever fulfilling because I wasn't resting. Yeah. Um And I, yeah, so I would say nine months ago, I started prioritizing rest and prioritizing self and connecting more with me, which, you know, has required a lot of new boundaries that I've never set for myself before, Um, you know, to just carve out that time and space and and hold to it. Yeah. um, Because it's in that rest that, that's where your creativity comes. It just shines brightly through. When you allow yourself chunks of rest, the inspiration will just start flowing and yeah. you will work with ease. You will work with beauty. And that's the dream, you know? Yeah. Like that's, I think, what we're all 
trying to acquire here. Like if, yeah, you know, if you can, as creatives or honestly, I've been in this role for so long that I can't know if it translates, but I hope it translates to almost every career if you're actually like looking for a whole balanced life. Yeah. Um, you know, to just work with a flow of ease. Yeah. You know, where your work gets aligned with with who you are and um whatever like beauty you want to put out there. Right. And I say beauty, but like beauty means so like that's a large covering word. Yeah. Like um, you know, my husband, he does all of our home renovations and they are beautiful. But it's quite a different line of work, you know? right. Um, But beauty, like, take that in whatever career path you're in right now. Like, there is beauty in your work, whatever it is. You're fulfilling a need. And if you can feel really fulfilled by that, too, like, that's that's a beautiful existence, in my opinion. Absolutely. So if you're allowing yourself to rest and, like, as creatives, um, I keep saying that, but... I think to like engineers too. Like, there's so much creativity in that job. Like, yeah, I just. I mean, I think we're we're talking about creatives in a in a very generalized way. Yeah. In that, it's all people. Yeah. Like, I, I think that that's what's happening. Like, yeah. we kept, we keep trying to identify it, but it's like all the people, yeah. everybody, because everybody's making these creative decisions. Um. What are some of the tools that you use to to find those? the rest that that feels um because i think sometimes people rest or think about rest as like either napping mm-hmm. or sleeping um um but we're talking about sort of like a rejuvenated period of time rejuvenating periods of time right like yeah. that, that there's a value within this uh empty experience or something like yeah um for me um, rest is often done in my garden, yeah. tending to something a little more mindlessly, um, but... Mindlessly. That's a great word for yeah. it. Yeah. And like my garden isn't this perfect looking thing, but it feels really perfect for me. Yeah. And that's all it has to do. That's its only job. I plant a garden so I can work in it during my busy season because thankfully they align. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, its sole purpose is for me to be able to walk out and stand in there and pick flowers if I want. Currently, I've been gathering a lot of seeds, um, just whatever it is. Some years it's more vegetable related. Some years it's more flower related. Um, but that garden... It's work in its own, but it's just – it's a different kind of work for me. Yeah. It's more mindless for me. Like, I can go through the motions and do things that just feel fulfilling. And um, intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where my thoughts get going on, you know, my my greater, I don't know, work things or even family things. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah. And, I mean, even for me, too, like, being around water, journaling – um, biking, hiking, anything. And I think, yeah, you are right. There are these kind of like con- or ideas that we all have in mind when we think of rest, but that is all very specific to your, you as a human. Right. What feels restful to you? Like some people might think 
well, gardening, that's a lot of work. That's not restful, but it's not working my brain. You yeah. Know? Like, mm -hmm. it's not challenging me in that way. And mm -hmm. it gives me some physical output, mm -hmm. um, which feels good. Because, like, my job, there's a lot of computer work. And to be able to, like, physically do something, it might seem like, hey, Whitney, that's not resting. But for me, it's resting my brain. It's resting all of those requirements of me in my family life and my work life. And that's just my space to be just me. Yeah. And giving back. It's giving back to you then. Mm -hmm. It's filling you up. Yeah. And that maybe that's part of it. And all the things that you mentioned are all things that you do outside. Mm hmm That's why winter's really, really hard. <laughs> okay. I think, yeah, I think for a lot of us, we, you know, we get I that. I think so too. Um, you know, support mm -hmm. in nature. Mm -hmm. and Right. Um, I, I guess I just need to bundle up more and get out more. Um, but I keep saying I try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's such a, you know, again, it's so good to I identify some of these things that are useful tools for us mm -hmm. because I think you're right. I think a lot of people have trouble with like, oh, my gosh, winter's almost gone or winter's almost here. Um, and um, then what what then maybe it is about planning in time that you, your mind can wander yeah. um, in places. And then what does it look like? Where, where can you go mm -hmm. and what can you do that will, will fill that, will fill, fill up that self? Yeah. And I think it's also fun to like allow yourself to be creative in a vastly different way than, you know, your career is. Oh yeah. You know, and, like, that can be really freeing and really restful. Um, yeah, yeah, I think cooking is like yeah. that for people. Uh -huh. Like, I don't know how I made this, but I put in – I yeah. added time this time. And then I bought this great spice that mm -hmm. I found at the farmer's market that, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, another, like, creative outlet that there's no, like – Nobody needs it to be good in the end. Like, you're hoping it can at least be edible with food. But, right. yeah. you know, like, you don't need for it to please. Oh, gosh. I mean, with three kids, my meals never please everybody. <laughs> but, you know, you don't. it's just fulfilling in, in the act of doing, yeah. you know. And I'm sure most of the time it's at least edible. And sometimes it's mind-blowing. Yeah. You right. know, and just accepting that whole line of creative process. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that this um, the tone of this interview feels very <laughs> or I, I don't know I I have trouble calling it an interview even because it feels more like conversation but um, feels very like um, pleasing like there's an element of even like how you're sitting and we're talking together that there's this um, wellness. Uh, um, like a drive for creating wellness for yourself. Mm -hmm. And by, by doing that, it allows and opens up you to be more creative, more present with yourself, more present with your family, more present with your clients, um, that it's this circle, you know, like a, um, like you said, being 
near water is one of the things that fills you up. It's almost like a drop in the water of, of mm-hmm. you. And then the circles that – concentric circles that come out from that is a ripple effect then that affects all areas of your life and that that's – um, something that's so important to you that you focus on it so that it does happen. And that's such a clear, uh, there's such clarity within that process. And um, um, that's really, I think that that's really hard to do and to sustain. And um, it's really quite lovely to, to, to be witness to, I guess, and to be inspired by and with. Well, you know? thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's and I think also like there just come there are certain times in your life where you're able to create that for yourself. Um yeah. and then hopefully that practice kind of carries through different challenging more challenging times of life. I'm yeah. just thinking like <clears throat> I had three kids all within 4 years. Wow. And this is a these last two years have been a whole new experience for me. Like this is a totally different version of me than, you know, five years ago even. Sure. You know, and I think if you can, if you have the space to set some of those foundational things in your life, that they do carry you through the harder times. But, you know, that's not always possible. And sometimes you are just in there grinding away. Yeah. Trying to get through. Um, but then hopefully there's a break. There's a pause. There's a moment for you to regroup or you yeah. just choose. Yeah. Choose that, you know. Right. Um, and honestly, we've gone without a lot of things as a choice to create that space, you know, for both my husband and I. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's about choosing. And sometimes things are situational and you don't have that choice, but... Um, I think for most of us, that's not a lifelong experience. Right. It's acute situations that then you have to manage and work through. Mm -hmm. Or you get through it and you're like, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) What can I do to like never be that shell of me, you know, that shell of who I was? I think for me, that's what it was, you know, growing kids and then they become a little more independent. I realize I've been lost, like. Who am I? How do I fit in to all of this? You know, especially now yeah. with them all just going going away. It's just me. <laughs> it's just me. The, yeah. You know, like I've never had this. And um, so it is, you know, I'm grateful for this time of my life that I do get to establish those things. Right. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure there'll be years that are challenging again. We'll have three teenagers at the same time so that might be a different (laughs) vibe you might get a different version of me at that time but I am hopeful that if I you know set some of these boundaries for myself and work through some of these practices and you know that they'll help carry through whatever lies next because we know life is always kind of filled with ups and downs (laughs) totally yeah and I think that's um there's so many studies done on on um how you can how and what you do in that stasis in um to um foundationally 
support yourself mm-hmm. because when things inevitably go bad, go wrong, um, feels crappy, you're like low and dark or whatever, those are the pieces that um, are going to help create that sustainability sus- um, and suspend you, mm-hmm. you know, to to be able to to move through whatever it is a little bit easier. Yeah. So, um, gosh, thank you so much for talking through so much of that with us. <laughs> it's really great. Really appreciate it. Oh, well, I hope it resonates or maybe some of it absolutely won't. And that's probably an okay thing too. <laughs> yeah, we all give and take, a, yeah, you know, like right. what, what rises to the surface, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. But thank you so much. And if people wanted to get a hold of you, um, where could they find you? Um, I would say my most up-to-date life of work is um, at WhitneyMorales.com is my website. And then on social media, I have Facebook. I'm definitely more active on Instagram. So that's Whitney Morales Photography on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <gasps> Thank you so much for being here. and Thank um, you. It's really lovely to um, be a part of um hearing about your processes and thoughts about how you talk about your work, share your work and yourself um and we're all better for it. So thanks Erica. Thanks Whitney. Huge thanks to Mead Public Library, the fantastic Melissa Prentice, Josh Littner, Annalisa Finca, the Radio Committee, our amazing engineer John Tully, and for the title, Photo and Fabulous, theme music composed and performed by Cooper Deers. In the Act is produced in the studios at Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. More information on the web at meadpl.org.